Awesome. Got a couple things I want to do before we move forward. I'm going to ask, actually, Kat and Edwin, would you stay up here for just a moment? Kat and Edwin, uh, these are two, and I'll be transparent and honest, these are two of some of our most impactful leaders over the last several years. And uh, oftentimes, God calls us uh, for a reason, but oftentimes, God calls us for a season. And that season can be short or that season can be long. And for both of these individuals, both students at one point here at Excel, and then God continued to call them and develop them into leaders for years. And we are just so grateful for their service. And now they are moving into another season. And we just want to take a moment to show appreciation and to celebrate what God is doing. Uh, Kat has been called into full-time ministry. She's accepted a job at a church on the south side. To us, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, give it up for Kat. <laughs> there is no greater joy and pride for a pastor than to release one of his own into the ministry. It genuinely fills my heart with joy and excitement because I feel like I got to be a small part of that process. And I know that we got to be a part of that process. And I hope that God will continue to lead you and take what you learned here and grew from here and take it to where God is pulling you in, no matter what he does in that next future. We are so proud of you, Kat, and so grateful for that aspect. Amen. Stay right there. And then Edwin, Edwin has literally been with me since he was in grade school. I went to Edwin's eighth grade graduation, his high school graduation. He saw him graduate college. And now Edwin is entering to his next step where he is going to be taking a season away from us to focus in on his master's degree. So Edwin is going to be pursuing his master's degree. And I kid you not, Edwin has come such a phenomenal long way. And his life has been and will be continually, because I believe this, Edwin, marked with consistency and faithfulness. You have been a phenomenal example of being faithful. Edwin came, and throughout the years as a student and even as a leader, there were many who walked with Edwin, but then no longer walked with God. And Edwin didn't allow people who fell to his left or to his right to stop him from pursuing who God called him to be. And I can say this unequivocally, Edwin, I am so incredibly proud of how far God has taken you and blessed to have a front row seat for every one of those milestones and changes. And I pray that I can have a front seat to the rest of your life, man. I'm not hoping to do your funeral or my funeral. Hopefully we get some really young person to do that so we can die really, really old and ancient. Um, but I am just so grateful for what God is calling you to do. And here's the best part for me in my heart, because not every leader gets to leave on their own terms and not every leader gets to leave in a good way. These two, we are releasing them. We're not losing them. We're sending them off to the next chapter of their journey, but they're always Excel. They, Kat's been gone, but she came back tonight because she was available. And so I just wanted to take that opportunity while she was here. Edwin's not leaving. He's not you know, following Satan. You'll see him on Sundays. You'll see him leading worship probably on Sundays. And when we need him, he's already said, hey, if you really need me, I'll come in. I'll help out. He just can't make the full-time commitment that it takes to really serve Excel the way he served so faithfully for so many years. And so they're not dying and they're not like going away in that sense. They are a part of our family and they will always be a part of our family as far as I'm concerned. And so I just want to take a moment. I know you guys just sat down, but would you stand up for me real quick? And just uh, stand your hand now just as a, a sign of unity. And we're going to pray for both of these individuals. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for Kat and Edwin and their years of faithfulness, God, their years of planning, of prepping, of leading in worship, leading in small groups, leading your people, praying over people through salvation, praying over people for the Holy Spirit, praying over people through healing. God, they have made such an incredible impact in this ministry, and we are so grateful, Lord, that you have allowed us to serve with them. But God, I also think about in the book of Acts when the church got together and they prayed over Barnabas and, and Paul, and they sent out two best leaders, two of their most phenomenal people, but they understood it is not about this location, but it is about your kingdom. And so they were willing to pray over these people and send them out into their missionary journey. And so God, we release them into your hands, God. We release them for the next chapter that you have for them in their life, God. Father, we pray for provision with Edwin schooling, God. We pray for financial provision. We pray for excellence in his education. We pray that he would get good grades, that he would work hard, that you would open doors for him, that that master's Grieve through you would open other doors in his future career and his relationships. God, we pray for Kat, Lord, that you would continue to use her to serve the body of Christ, to lead worship, to make an impact in the media that she oversees, God, to continue to change lives in her personal relationship. God, we're so grateful that these students of your youth ministry, God, raised up and raised up other kids in your youth ministry and now are being called out to continue to do the work. It is the joy and it is the pleasure of a pastor to do that. And I thank you, God for giving me a seat in that process. So Lord, we just pray a special blessing over both of them. Use them, anoint them, call them out to do your work. May they always be faithful to your voice. We love that and we thank you for allowing them to be a part of our family. May they always be so. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for Kat and Edwin. Awesome. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you guys so much. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I took an opportunity to do that. Love those guys so very dearly. And like I said, they'll be around, so don't trip too much. Um, I wanted to share a couple of things before we jump into tonight's word. And again, thank you guys for being flexible and uh, making the switch to over here. We had the option of um, not doing Excel. But because we already missed two weeks with camp and, and, you know, COVID after camp for some of our people, I'm just like, yeah, no, we're not skipping another one. I don't care if it's me and Kat and Edwin. We're going to have service on Thursday. And so I'm just so grateful that we have that opportunity. Um, I had mentioned that we're at camp. For those of you who don't know, we had taken a week off Excel because we went to um, our district camp, Illinois, and it was phenomenal. And God moved in really, really powerful ways. And we're so grateful for everything that God did. I'm not disappointed in any of it. Sure, a number of people caught COVID, even though we were fully vaccinated, including myself. Uh, but I am so grateful that God brought me through that. Honestly, I never got a fever. I never got a cold. I never had any real issues. I was just tired. And so I got to sleep for 10 days in my bed by myself. It was, was kind of like a little vacation. Um, and, uh, and I just got to recoup. And so I'm grateful that God kept me from having anything crazy. But I did want to share this amazing testimony. In that week of camp, and for those of you who maybe didn't see on the social media, when you combine the two weeks of camp that we had in our state, our state gave over $100,000 for Speed the Light in two weeks. Okay, that's phenomenal. That is record-breaking. Uh, the month of July, when you count all of this money that's coming to Speed the Light through the entire country, 
we are over $1,100,000 for one month in July. We are on pace to raise around $15 million this year for Speed the Light. And if you don't know what Speed the Light is, Speed the Light is the way that youth within the Assemblies of God give to missions to what God has called us to spread the gospel. And what we're using these funds for is to build water wells in Africa so they can have clean and purified water. And we are in the process of putting together a uh, little kind of walkathon, 3K, 5K type thing to help raise money for that. Um, and if you're wondering, well, what's the big deal about clean water? You obviously have never lacked clean water. Uh, but this is such a big thing where people are literally walking, you know, three kilometers a day back and forth just to get dirty water, not clean water, water that's filled with animal feces and uh, has been sitting out and is obviously making a lot of them sick. Thousands of babies die every year just because of lack of clean water. And if all we did was build one well and change one community, that's enough. But because of people's generosity, we are building multiple wells that are going to provide just amazing opportunities for people to live. And even like little things, like you don't even think about it. A lot of the times in those cultures, that job of getting water is left to women. And so a lot of young girls can't go to school because they have to get water. And so literally losing out on education, losing out on prospects in life just to get water for the day. And we are able to help that. And so I'm just very proud of you for your generosity and your heart to do what God has called you to do. Uh, And I think Judd mentioned this a little bit earlier. So far this year, we're just over $6,000 raised. Our goal was $42,519. And so we're just going to believe God. We're going to trust God to continue to do that. And I want to ask you to continue to pray for that. Because I believe God can do it if we're faithful to doing what God called us to do. Amen? All right. So... uh, I was thinking about this message today, and the title of this message, if you're taking notes, is Get To, Not Got To. And I want to talk to you about perception, Uh, because perception is a very powerful thing. How you perceive something can have a major effect on your life. And a lot of times we have issues, especially when we're in our teenage lives, but it really doesn't go away too much when you're older, with this perception of I got to do something rather than I get to do something, right? For example, school's getting ready to start back up, and a lot of us are feeling that anxiety of saying, ugh, now I got to wake up early, and I got to go to school, and I got to sit in the classroom, and I got to wear a mask all day long. And we literally were just mentioning how there are girls in some of these countries in Africa where we're trying to provide water wells that don't get the opportunity to go to school, period. And so a lot of times, you know, our perception of school is, oh, I got to, as opposed to understanding, no, no, you get to go to school for free. You get to have an education to learn how to read and write and think and process and create opportunities and prospects for your life. This is absolutely a get to. And if you start to shift your mind from I got to to I get to, your school day begins to change. When you start to understand, no, no, I don't got to go to school. Hey, I get to go to school. And because I get to do this, I'm going to make the most out of this so that I can get good grades, so that I can get into a good school, or, or I can get into a good profession, so that I get to be able to provide for my family, so that I get to be able to advance in my calling and my career. I get to transforms how you process things because it changes this, oh, man, I'm being punished, to, oh, man, look at this opportunity I am given. 
You know, Sal, me, and AJ, we've been going to the gym lately and, and, and doing our little thing. And I'm not going to lie, there's days where you wake up, and I was just talking to Damien, who's our fellow gym rat about it. There are days you're like, I don't want to go to the gym. And you feel like, oh, I got to go. And then I think, man, thank God I can still walk. I can still use my arms. I can still breathe. I can still use, like, no, I get to, I have a body. I have a body that I get to use, and I don't want to be in a situation where I can no longer use my body to appreciate it. Right? It's, it's a mindset shift. It's a perception shift. And it changes everything. I was thinking about this illustration that I love about these two men who work for rival shoe companies. And these reps are going to a new country to see if they can set up shop there. The first shoe company rep shows up in this country. He gets off the airplane. He starts looking around. And he notices that nobody's wearing shoes. And so he gets on his phone and he calls up his bosses and he goes, guys, this is not going to work. Nobody wears shoes. We're not going to make any money. They just don't wear shoes here. And so he gets on a plane and he goes back to his company. Shortly after, the other shoe rep from the rival company shows up to the same city, same country. He gets off the plane and he sees the same thing. Nobody's wearing shoes. So he calls up his bosses and he calls up the company. He goes, guys, great news. Nobody wears shoes here. We're going to make a killing because we're the only shoe game. (laughs) Two guys can see the same thing, but because the perceptions are different, one is going to succeed in it, one is going to benefit from it, while the other one misses out. This is what perception does. This is what helps you to understand. And I think if we can learn to change our perception when it comes to some spiritual disciplines in our life, those of you who are Christians, those of you who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you can learn to change your perception on things, your relationship with God transforms exponentially. There are times, I mentioned my, my little daughter, there are times where I'm sitting on the couch and I'm tired and it's been a long day. And, and you know, I know sometimes you just want to sit down and scroll through social media and just kind of, you know, blank out. And I'm sitting there and my daughter's done this weird thing now where she'll like call to you, like quiet, like she has a sweet, like tiny little baby voice, like puppy, puppy. And I'm like, oh, okay. But if you're not paying attention, she goes, Puppy. I'm like, so there was one time where I'm on my phone, she's like, da, and then she hits my phone, and I realize she wants attention. Perception, though. It can either be, oh, I got to put my phone away and play with you, or I remember thinking, I'm not going to get these years back with her. I get to love on my kid. I get to have my kid. Okay, I'm sorry, baby. I'm going to put the phone away. Let's play. Let's run around. Let's, let's jump up and down. Let's, whatever. She likes to get chased. Let's, let me chase you around the house. I get to do those things. And my attitude and my heart towards what I get to do changes when I understand it's a get to, not a got to. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to one of my favorite stories in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, there's some pretty cool things unveiling. Isaiah is a prophet, which means he is a mouthpiece for God. At this time in the Old Testament, God speaks through different people, different prophets, and he has this guy, Isaiah, that he's about to speak through. And the Bible says that in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees heaven. Listen to what happens. It says, it was in the year of King Uzziah, uh, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. 
They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then the one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven." Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. This is an insane situation. I think a lot of times we picture, like if we ever get to heaven or God willing, we all get there. But we have this idea based on what we've seen on TV and stuff like that, that we're going to show up in heaven and it's this amazing moment and it will be. That's all true. But in this case, He didn't have that kind of reaction. He shows up, and number one, there's these ridiculously scary-looking creatures. Like, we're picturing these little fat babies with wings flying around, being angels and stuff like that, or like these amazingly gorgeous uh, creatures. These are the scariest freaking animals that you ever saw, right? This seraphim, six wings. God knows what the body looked like. Their eyes were being covered. Their feet were being covered. Their worship, the way they shouted out, holy, 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 was so powerful that the entire foundation shook. Like, this is a terrifying moment. And yet it's not the the seraphim that freak him out. It's not the smoke filling the room. It's the understanding that he is in the presence of God that terrifies him. And in a moment, we'll get to why that does that. But I want you to understand something. We were just singing about the presence of God. And because of Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus, he made a way for you and I to now have a relationship with God. Where we don't have to fear like Elijah feared, being in God's presence, because we have been made right. That coal that touched his lips, that purified him, that took his sin away, was the only thing that then calmed him down and helped him realize, I can be in God's presence. The Bible is clear. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. Our sin destroys us before God. And yet the Bible also tells us that Jesus, because he died on the cross for your sin and mine, just like that coal touched Elijah's lips, God's blood washed our sin away. The Bible says that if you believe in that and you confess Christ as Lord, then that is attached to you and you can stand before God and have a relationship with God and not worry about being dropped dead just because you saw God. This is an amazing thing. And yet so often in our relationship with God, in the process of building that relationship with God, we treat these disciplines like prayer, worship, reading our Bible. We treat them like got-tos instead of get-tos. Oh, I got to go to church today. Oh, uh, I got to do my diva. Oh, uh, I got to stand up for worship. As opposed to understanding the fact that no, no, all those things are things that we get to do by the grace of God. For example, if you're taking notes, here's one that we need to understand. We get to pray. We don't got to (laughs) pray. There is no reason why the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the master of this entire universe, the one who spoke the world into existence, should ever listen to you. Right? What reason does God have to listen to me? What reason does God have to hear me complain? 
Who am I that I can say anything to God, let alone ask him for something? (laughs) There's no reason. I shouldn't be able to do that. And the truth is, none of us should. There's none of us that are good enough, that are holy enough, that have done enough, that we deserve the right to have an audience with the Lord, to stand before him and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Right? It would be like you showing up to your favorite celebrity's house, knocking on the door and saying, hey, you and I got to talk. You would be arrested so fast or shot by some bodyguard. Like, you would be kicked out because they're going to look at you and go, bro, who are you? And you're like, hey, I'm Joey. What do you mean, who am I? <laughs> right? Again, that we, we understand in the natural, that would never work. I can't just show up to the White House and walk into Biden's office and be like, yo, homie, you and I got to talk about this coronavirus thing. Like, I can't just have an audience with him like that because who am I? I'm nobody. And yet, we get to talk to God whenever we want. We get to speak to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and have him listen to us and then even times do what we ask him to do. This is a phenomenal mindset change if you really get it, that I get to ask God to heal a loved one. I get to ask God to take care of my family. I get to ask God to help me in a situation where I'm struggling with. Not that I got to, but I get to. Listen, Ephesians chapter three, verse 12 says this, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Right? So let's say, going back to that illustration about a celebrity, you may not be able to go straight to a celebrity's house. But let's say you happen to go to school with that celebrity's kid. And you and that celebrity's kid are best friends. And that celebrity's kid says, hey, do you want to come to my house? All of a sudden, you're having dinner with that celebrity, not because of who you are, but because of the relationship you have with their son. That's what God is saying. God is saying, listen, you don't have any right to talk to me, but I recognize that you have a relationship with my son, Jesus. And because of your relationship with him, that's why we talked about this a few months ago. When we pray, we say in Jesus' name, not in Joey's name, because that's not good enough. Not in John's name, not in Sal's name, not in Ara's name, in Jesus' name. That's who's co-signing my prayer right now. That's the only reason you're willing to listen to me, God. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. I want you guys to really get this because your prayer life would go to a whole nother level if you understood the difference between getting to pray and having to pray. Because too often we wait till we have no other option and then we feel like, no, I gotta pray. I gotta ask God. Why? Because you're desperate? Because all of a sudden everything you tried didn't work? It's not like God won't listen to you in that moment, but it's no wonder why you're constantly struggling from situation to situation because your conversation with God is always a last-minute resort instead of a first option. And then take it this way. Not only do we get to talk to God, but God actually wants to hear from us. No relationship on this planet works without good communication. No relationship. Think about how many people in your life were your best friend and then are no longer that. Not for any bad reason. Y'all just don't talk no more. Right? You ever had that situation where it's like, oh, we used to be really close. What happened? We just don't talk anymore. 
It wasn't a blow up. It wasn't that they, you know, stole your ex and did all this drama or talking behind your back. Sometimes it's just as simple as we lost touch. We just don't talk anymore. Some of you, your relationship with God will fall apart, not because of a major sin in your life, not because you did something really evil, simply because you lost touch on a day-to-day prayer life. You just stopped talking to God. And then you're sitting there going, I don't hear God's voice anymore. Well, maybe because you stopped, he stopped hearing your voice. We get to pray. Not only that, but we get to read the Bible. Think about this, right? Isaiah's up, Elijah, I'm sorry, is Isaiah, I'm sorry, yeah, all right. Elijah, Isaiah's up there in heaven, and he's before the presence of God, and he gets to talk. He gets to say something to God. And then he also gets to hear God speak, right? He hears God say, whom shall we send and who will go for us? We get to hear from God. It's not always an audible voice. The most basic way that we get to hear from God is through his written word. And I like to say this often, but God sent you a really long text message and too many of us have left God on read. And then... Y'all ever get this? I get really annoyed by this. You ever had somebody ask you a question and you've answered that question in a text and you're really annoyed that they're asking you because you're like, you didn't read my text? Like, why did I bother texting you then? Why are you still asking me if I text you that? Okay, and God is sitting here going, some of us are like, I don't know what to do with my life. God's like, yeah, I wrote you something about that. I don't know how I'm supposed to live. I don't know who I'm supposed to date. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. God's like, yeah, I sent you a text. Did you read the text? We've opened the book, but have we read it? Have we internalized it? Have we brought it in? And I get it. Listen, I'm like you. I never liked reading books. I got a whole bunch of books, and a lot of them are not read, okay? I don't like reading, but I understand that it's important. I understand that we read on a regular basis, and again, we have the privilege and the honor of knowing how to read, so that's amazing, but we also get to read the Bible. So often in history, before literacy was common and, and only the upper echelon of, of class was able to read, people like you and I, who would probably would have been commoners in those days, we didn't have the luxury of reading the Bible. We had to listen to the preacher because he's the only one who could read. He's the only one who can tell us what the Bible says because we couldn't read it for ourselves. And that's how you ended up with a lot of corruption and manipulation because we had to take a guy's word for it because we couldn't read the word ourselves. Now you have an opportunity to read it for yourself. So if you think Pastor Joey is full of it, read the Bible yourself. Answer it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. I can make up a bunch of stuff up here. Would you know the difference if you didn't understand the word on your own? God's not only speaking to you through me, but he wants to speak to you through your word. Listen, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 21 says this. For we're not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, writing to this group of people. He says, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when we received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention, read, to what they wrote. 
for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. He's saying you don't got to walk around in darkness because God is giving you a light in his word to help shine light on where you need to go and what you need to do. When you understand, I get to read God's word. I get to have God speak to me on a regular basis. I get to have direction for my life. It changes everything. And I've often used this illustration, but when I'm traveling, if I'm out of the city, I need a GPS. Right? Whether it's Waze or Google Maps or, or I hate Apple Maps, but one of those, I, I, I need it. I can get around here easy. I'll, no problem. I can figure it out. I, I know better sometimes I feel like. It's not true. The thing, mathematical stuff's on point. But I feel like I know better. But when I'm somewhere that I don't know the area, the direction, when I find myself in a dark place, I need that voice to tell me where to turn. I need that voice to tell me what direction I'm supposed to be going in. And trust me when I tell you this, you're at a point in your life where there's going to be a lot of areas and decisions. Some of you upperclassmen, juniors, seniors, there's a lot of life-changing decisions that are coming up. You cannot afford to not read your word to understand who God is calling you to be and where God's calling you to go. Now, don't misunderstand, okay? Well, I don't want you to feel like, well, I need to know what major to pick, so what scripture tells me that? I don't know if there's a specific scripture that tells you to go into zoology or psychology. I'm not sure on that one. But what the Bible does is it gives you a framework and a thought process to help you make better decisions. So that if God called you to be a zoologist, it's one that glorifies and honors God. Uh, you just be the modern day Adam sitting there going, now we're going to name this animal Pikachu because there should be one in this world. So y'all, this new little yellow thing, that's Pikachu. Somebody's got to do it. Why not God's people? Okay? And so you got to understand, there are so much in your life that changes when it's not a chore, when it's not a... And listen, man, I am preaching to the choir. Y'all know how many times I don't want to read my Bible? Because I'm just like, I, I, read, I read it for a living. <laughs> like, I'm always reading it. And so there are times where I'm like, oh. You know, like somebody who works at McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, and everyone loves waffle fries, and you're like, yo, I'm so done with waffle fries. Right? And it's like, hey, where do you want to eat? Not at Chick-fil-A. I'd rather eat anywhere else. It's like, but Chick-fil-A's so good. Yeah, but I have to eat it every day. And there are times, you know, where I transparently, I don't want to read my Bible until I finish reading it. And then I go, yeah, I needed that. Just like some of you who work at Chick-fil-A hate it until you finish eating it. You're like, no, that was good still. Because <laughs> that's the Lord's chicken, and we bless the Lord's chicken. Listen, we get to pray. And we get to read our Bible. You know what else? We get to worship God. I want you to think about this. The prophet is standing there before the presence of God. And, and we talked about these freaky winged creatures. And what are they doing? They're worshiping God. Holy, holy, holy is the Almighty. Right? Their worship is so powerful. And I know Kiana can sing. But their worship is so powerful that it shakes the foundations of the room. 
Y'all ever been to a concert that was thumping so bad, you felt it in your heart, like you were a little nervous that you were going to, like, I think I might die today. Like, this is, because you're standing too close to the amp, and, you know, some of y'all at Momentum know what I'm talking about. Like, I think I just got deaf, but it was the greatest, right? It's that moment. The foundations have shook because of their worship. Where literally, they were, their worship was so fire that the whole room filled with smoke. And yet, God wants to hear you sing. God wants to hear your praises. The Bible tells us that heaven is filled with angels who are singing and worshiping God 24-7. He's got a private concert all the time. And yet, it's our busted voices that he wants to hear. Think about how wild that is. That God would rather hear your high-pitched, nasally, crackly voice than the most beautiful and literal angelic voices that are constantly singing and worshiping. As a matter of fact, in Psalm chapter 22, verse 3, says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. What does that mean? There's another translation in the King James Version that says, God inhabits the praises of his people. It means he likes to be and he draws in when we worship him. He likes it. And it's not because God is like arrogant and, and he just likes to be fluffed up and it's like, oh, whatever. No, again, I, I can only tell you the way I understand it. Um, my daughter now, she's, she's singing a lot of songs that she sees on TV. And so she sings Wheels on the Bus and ABCs. And, and I, I stop everything I'm doing to hear her sing. And it's not great, like, you know, musically. But it's because of who's singing it, not what she's singing. And so when God hears you, not just singing because worship is not just music, but when God sees your heart of appreciation, of gratitude, when God sees that and that adoration, and listen, we're no different. We all like to hear compliments every now and then. It's not because we're conceited. It's just nice. It's nice for someone to say, hey, man, you did a great job with that. Oh, thanks, bro. Right? You know, when, when, when Judd's frying up that chicken just right or, or saying, you know, my pleasure, and somebody goes, you know what? No, son, it was my pleasure. He's going to be like, oh, that felt good, <laughs> right? Because, again, we just, we, it's part of us. We, we like to be appreciated. We, when somebody says, hey, man, I just want you to know you did a good job, you're like, thanks. And on the inside, you're like, oh, my God, I needed that. Oh, my God, I needed that. That was the best. I just did, I did my best, guys. Because every now and then, it's just nice to know people are proud of you. People are happy for you, right? You ever had that moment where, you feel like nobody gives a crap, and then all of a sudden a mom or a leader or a dad or somebody just says it at just the right time. Hey, man, just want you to know I'm proud of you. And again, you just crumble on the inside. Now, God is not like us, but he does inhabit our praises. He likes to be there. He likes to draw in. Why? Because he loves you. And when someone you love shows that love back, it's a powerful moment. It's a beautiful moment. And it's why I love to worship God. Not I have to. It's not like, oh, here are the first 20 minutes of this service. All right, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be respectful. I'm not really going to sing because I don't dig this song, but I'm going to be respectful or whatever, and I'm just going to wait the 20 minutes till we can sit back down. Yeah, God doesn't inhabit that. God doesn't care about that part. God cares about a heart that loves his heart. God cares about someone who understands, man, I get to show my appreciation to you. 
uh, I get to adore you. You know, my wife and I, uh, this week, we celebrated seven years being married. And uh, y'all want to know how old people celebrate their marriage, especially after we have kids? Uh, we dropped off my daughter at my in-laws. We ate a bomb Brazilian meal at Fogo the Child because I like me some steak. And then we went home and we took a two-hour nap because <laughs> we don't get to sleep because we have a toddler. <laughs> but you know what? It's in those moments where we do these little things all the time for each other to show. You know what I got her for our anniversary? A printer. Because she wanted a printer. That's just what she wanted. You don't have to clap. It was a printer. But it didn't matter, you know, in the sense of how, what it costs. And all, it's just I want to give her what she desires. Well, what does God desire? He desires your worship because you can't give him. It's not like we can give God a printer and God's going to be like, oh, that's an amazing printer. Right? I guess he can speak copies into existence, right? But when you express your love for the one who loves you more than anyone else on the planet, God loves that. And we get to do that. We get to share it. Last thing, not only do we get to pray and we get to read our Bible and we get to worship, but we get to serve God. For those of you who are believers who have a relationship with God, you need to really get this opportunity. We get to serve God, not we got to serve God. What do I mean by that? Again, look at the prophet. He's standing in there. Giant winged crazy creatures are flying around. Worship is bumping. Everything's going crazy. And he hears God speaking. And God is saying, whom shall we send and who will go for us to deliver this message? And the prophet could have easily said, send the ones that can fly. But what does he do? He volunteers. And he says, say, send me. Because he sees serving God not as an obligation, but an opportunity. I am not just obligated to serve God. I have an opportunity to serve God. Why? Because what's greater than being able to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? My job has never felt like work because I've always understood it as a privilege. I get to serve God. I get to talk to young people and be a part of the process of changing lives. I get to work with people like Kat who eventually get called and sent out to do the same work. I get to see guys like Edwin graduate from grade school and high school and college and go pursue his master's and become, God willing, an amazing uh, husband, an amazing father and grandfather. Like I get to get a front row through that. That's amazing to me. So it's never like, oh, my God, I can't believe. 12 years I've been working here, and I've never felt like, oh, i got to go again. That's like, no, I get to do this. And when you understand that you get to serve God, serving God begins to change. We've been trying to raise money for missions, for Speed the Light, to do all these things. And if, you, if you're sitting here and we're talking about it, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe we got to do this 5K or, or we got to keep raising money. Like, I already raised enough money. Isn't that enough for you? Well, you already got the wrong mindset. Because God don't need your money to accomplish his goals. You get to be a part of that process. It is a privilege and it is an honor to be able to partner with the Lord in anything. And so when you start to think like, I got to, you start to act like we need you. And the truth is, God don't need any of us. When I start to get, if I start to get arrogant about the role that God has placed me in, guess what? God can replace me tomorrow. Because it's not about me. I'm not that big a deal. So I am humbled and honored at the fact that I get to serve alongside God. I get to be a part of the process. I get to travel all over the world and preach the gospel and watch lives transform and people healed and lives restored. I get to do that. That's amazing. 
There are sometimes like, you know, Fridays we've been trying to get together. I know some weather's been messed with it. Hopefully we can do this tomorrow. How are we feeling about that, Carol? That might work. Tomorrow we'd like to get together, play some volleyball or play some softball at the park. And I ain't, I ain't even lying. There are times, guys, where like we're playing sports like that. Like I'm playing softball with you guys or I'm playing volleyball. And I'm thinking to myself, this is my job. This is awesome. <laughs> like I'm a 36-year-old guy who gets to play volleyball with kids. This is great. <laughs> now, it's got all its difficulties and challenges, sure. But I never want to look at it as a difficult, challenging thing. I want to look at it as a humbling, honoring thing that I get to serve God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 through 10 says this. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the what? Whenever we have the what? We should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Can I tell you, when I was a teenager at Excel, I would come on Saturdays and help the maintenance guys just because I wanted to serve. And I was looking for ways to serve. I just wanted to be around godly people. I just wanted to be at church. There's literally, I remember when I got hired, the secretary of the church looking at me, smiling, going, I remember when you came and built my desk as a 16-year-old. And now you're here as a pastor. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? But just, I've never had an attitude that I had to do this. I got to do this. When I started trying to bring my friends to church, it was never this obligation. It was never like the pastor pulled me aside and said, hey, you got to start bringing your friends. No, no, no. I get to bring my friends here. I get to, to help people that I love experience the same love that I've experienced. I get to do that. So I would rent my friends' cars, and I would drive all over the city. Literally, some of my friends, when I would drop them off on the west side, I would tell them, listen, I'm not stopping. Your neighborhood sucks. I'm just going to open the door. You tuck and roll, homie. Like, this ain't a pullover kind of place. <laughs> and I would get home at like 1130 at night, and my mom would yell at me. And she would what are you doing getting home? I'm like, mom, somebody's got to bring people to Jesus. <laughs> and I got to do that. I still get to do that. I'm saying that because, listen, if you serve God to impress me, then you're doing it wrong. If you serve God because you feel that you're singled out or you're obligated or your family's making you or your pastor's making you, then again, stay home. We don't need that. Understand the privilege and the honor of being able to stand under the Lord and do the work that he's called you to do and be a part of that process. It's an opportunity, even more, it's a privilege to serve God and to serve his people. So, with all that said, why is it that we often struggle with acting like we got to do these things as opposed to get to? Why is it that there are days where we feel like we got to get up and worship as opposed to get to? Where there's moments where we feel like we got to serve as opposed to get to? When there's moments when we're trying to read our Bible, but it feels like a chore and we feel like we got to do it and we're getting tired of doing it and we don't want to pray because it feels like an obligation and we don't want to come to excel because it feels like oh I got to do that one more thing how do we shift it from got to to get to or, or why did we shift it in the first place and I think part of it might be because maybe just maybe we've started taking God for granted and we've started acting like God's the one that gets to serve us And God's the one that gets to talk to us. 
And God's the one that gets me to show up. And like God is the one who's privileged that I even said yes to him. If you look at Isaiah, I think the reason why God used him to be his messenger and God allowed him to stand in that throne is because Isaiah had a heart of humility, even fear. Listen, going back to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah understood who he was compared to God. He understood that he doesn't deserve to be in God's presence, let alone speak to him or hear from him. Are you humbled enough by the Lord to understand that he doesn't owe you a thing? Are you humbled enough by God to understand that this salvation gift, this relationship that he wants to have for you is far more for your benefit than it ever is for his? That it is a privilege and a true gift to be able to know the Lord because we are already known by him. It shifts how you view your relationship with God when you humble yourself and you appreciate the fact that, hey, listen, I may not always have this. There was a moment when I was a teenager, I don't know, maybe like freshman year, where it just kind of dawned on me. It was a weird realization. But I remember looking at my mom and dad and thinking, you know, one day I won't have them. One day my mom and dad are going to die. It's a weird thought. And I remember thinking, I never want to leave the house without making sure they know I love them. And from that day until the day I moved out, whenever I left my home, there were sometimes I was halfway down the block, I would run back to the house and I'd give my mom a hug and I'd give her a kiss. Because I remember I was paranoid. In my head, I remember thinking, what if this is the last day I kiss her? What if I'm at the bus stop and I get hit by a car? What if there's a drive-by and somebody kills me on the way to Like, I just random thoughts I would have. Where I would go, no, I want to make sure that my mom knows I love her because I may not always have my mom. And I take that now in my relationship with God where I never want to take my relationship with God for granted, where I never want to start to act like, okay, well, God, I've already served you for so long, so I've paid my dues spiritually, and now you owe me. I never want to treat God like he owes me anything because I know if God never does a single thing for me again, if God never answers one more prayer, if God ignores me for the rest of his life, he's already done more for me than I can ever pay back. If all God ever did was give you that amazing gift of salvation where he's reconciled your sin, he's already done more than enough. So everything else about my life is about glorifying the one who glorified me in that moment. It's about loving him and learning to love him the way he's already loved me. That takes humility, and quite honestly, it takes fearing God. Not in a scared of God kind of way, but in a respectful kind of way. I use this illustration often, but if you think about it, bear with me for a second. Imagine a firefighter. A firefighter is not afraid of fire. They will go into a burning building and thank God for firefighters. But they have a healthy fear of fire. They respect what fire is capable of, maybe more than any of us, because they've studied it, they understand it. So they're cautious about how they approach it. 
They don't just run into a building. They, they examine things. They have processes. They look at things because they understand this can kill me. When it comes to your relationship with God, and the Bible talks about the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. When it comes to having a fear of God, it's not that I am afraid of God. It's that I have a healthy respect of who God is. And because I understand who God is, I don't play with God. It's like somebody, oh, you got a parent like that. Where you're like, no, no, you don't understand. I know my mom's 4'9", but I fear my mom. <laughs> you're afraid of your mom? No, no, no. I just, I have a healthy respect for who she is. My mom used to tell me all the time, my mom's barely five feet. She's like, I don't care how tall you are, I can jump. I'll still slap you in the face. And I'm like, you're right, mama. And it's respect. Because there was a, damn, especially for me, there was a point in my life where I was like bigger than my mom. Like, yeah, it doesn't even hurt when you hit me anymore. But it wasn't about her hurting me. It was about me respecting her. And I listened to her because I love her. And I respect her. And part of how I respect her is showing her in that love. So all I'm saying is, in your relationship with God, ask yourself, do you still fear God? Not that you're afraid of going to hell, but do you understand who God is and that you get to pray, you get to worship, you get to read your Bible, you get to serve God, you get to come to church. And when you understand that you get to, you end up doing it a lot more and with a different heart. Does that make sense? So I'm going to ask you to stand up as we get ready to close. And in a moment, I want to pray and I want to ask God to help us with this. And you might need help with one of those points. You might need help with all of those points. <laughs> and I'm going to ask Kat if you can help me out for just a moment. But here's what I lead you to do. And I'm going to ask you to, to bow your head and close your eyes. Because I want to have a, just a private moment with, with each of you. So just listen to my voice for a moment. No one else is looking around. No one else is paying attention. This is between you, me, and God. But I, I kept mentioning over and over again that all these get-tos, they're all a result of having a relationship with God. My daughter gets to eat my food. My daughter gets to live in my house. My daughter gets to have her diapers changed by me. Why? Because the relationship she has with me. I ain't changing y'all diapers. I ain't letting you live in my home. It's the relationship that allows the access. And so there's a lot of you in this room who have that relationship with God. And part of what I was trying to communicate was helping you understand and value that relationship so that you go from a got to to a get to. But yet there might be somebody in this room that you don't even get to because you don't have the relationship with God, not the one that he asks of you. And the Bible is clear that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, and that he died on the cross and resurrected three days later in order to make you right with God so that you can have a relationship with God. If you accept that and confess that with your mouth, then you're saved. You don't got to go through special classes. You don't got to jump through hoops. You don't even got to keep coming here. This is a, a faith response, your heart to God's heart. And if you are willing to do that, the Bible says that you are saved and you have a personal relationship with the Lord, which with that gives you access to God. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I would be wrong if I didn't take an opportunity to offer you this amazing gift. And it's not me that's offering you. God set this in motion long before you were ever born. But if you're in this place and you recognize, Pastor, there is something that's been missing in my life. 
tried religion and I've tried church and I've and I've tried a bunch of other things and nothing's ever filled that. I need you to understand. Well, have you tried a relationship with God? Because I'm telling you, that's the only thing that'll satisfy the need that your soul so desperately has. So I want to give you an opportunity before we talk to anybody else with every head bowed, every eye closed. Young man, young lady, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I want a relationship with God. I want to know that I know that I know that he and I are in a good place. All I need you to do is signal me by lifting up your hand and then I'm going to pray a prayer with you and we're going to do that. Thank you, sweetheart. Is there anyone else says, that's me, Pastor? Thank you, bro. Anyone else says, Pastor, I want to say yes to Jesus tonight. I want to start that. Thank you, young lady. Anyone else? Amazing. Here's what we're going to do. I want you all to pray with me together because we're a family and those people who just raised their hand have just become a part of our family. And so I want us to pray this together. Okay? There's no magic in the words. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you are saved, then that's it. And so we're just going to pray this together, just a prayer and a confession of our faith. And so repeat after me, everybody in the room. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm not right with you. And I know that I don't deserve this gift. But I ask you, God, would you forgive me of all my sin? Would you make me pure the way you purified Isaiah? Would you purify me? Would you allow me to have a relationship with you? To love you the way you love me? Come into my life. Be my God. Be my Savior. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, in a moment I'll, I'll talk with those of you who raised your hand. But before we close out, I need to pray for the rest of the people in this room. Who I'm going to assume the majority of you have already made that decision. Where have you gotten from get to to got to? It might be in your prayer life. It might be in the reading of your word. It might be in your heart from worship. It might be in the attitude you have when you serve. It might be in your feelings of whether or not you come to church. Where you've allowed your heart to drift from a get to attitude to a got to attitude. And tonight you need God's help to get your mindset back together to get your heart settled and in place. So whichever one of those categories it is, I just want you to agree with me as I pray and we ask God to help us with the Heavenly Father. Lord, whether we're in that season right now or we approach that season in the future, God, I'm asking you, would you forgive us for those times where we've allowed our attitude and our mindset and our hearts to drift from the privilege of getting to do all these things to the attitude of having to do all these things. Lord, I, I pray that you would forgive us for our arrogance. I pray that you would forgive us for our laxness. I pray that you would forgive us for assuming that we deserve it, that we've earned it, that somehow you owe us. God, you don't owe us a thing and you never have. But Lord, we are so grateful that in spite of that, Lord, you have been willing to go over and over again and have infinite patience for us simply because you love us. So God, I just pray, help us to not take that patience for granted. Help us to not push it to a side. Help us to not wait till later to get in the right place with God. Lord, I pray right now, even before this school season ends, would we get ourselves right, Lord? 
Would we have an attitude and an understanding of the privilege and the honor in having a relationship with you, God? Lord, we're so grateful for those young people in the room who said yes to Jesus tonight, Lord. We ask that you give them a transformed life. We ask that you help them in the next stages in walking with God. But Lord, I pray that we would never forget that feeling, God forsake the joy of our own salvation that we want to get so used to and, and just commonalities with God and with church that somehow we've gotten away from the heart of what you called us to do because we can serve you and not have our heart in the right place we can worship you and only be lip service and not heart service we can read your word for information and never receive transformation God we can go through the motions and have no relationship with you and God I pray help us to never be like that Help us, Lord, to continue to grow and continue to develop in who you called us to be and to find the joy and the love of being able to get to do all the things you called us to do. Lord, we are eternally grateful and we pray that we would have this attitude until we could celebrate it with you in person in heaven. So, Father, we thank you for all of it and we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody here said... Amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. Amen. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Um, we're going to go ahead and dismiss, and I just want to remind you, uh, next week we're going to be back at our other building at 6050, and then uh, tomorrow night, Portage Park, 6 o'clock, we're going to be hanging out. We're going to be playing some kind of activity. And even if you're like, yo, I ain't sporty, hey, just come hang out. Get a lawn chair, bring a blanket. Maybe I'll pull out a charcuterie board if you fancy. Let's do something where we can just get together and hang out. Still need you to wear your mask because, yo, Delta's Rio, man. I got sick, but we want to be safe, but we also want to be together. So I want to encourage you guys to do that and stay tuned for some of the things that we got coming up. If you said yes to Jesus for the first time tonight, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to kind of explain a little bit more what that means and what the next steps are. So before you leave, take a moment, come and talk to me. I'd love to say thank you, and I'd love to congratulate you. Amen? God bless you guys. We will see you tomorrow.